Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Point Podcast. This is our M&A series. As always, I'm your host, Tom Reed, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance. Hello. Steve Earle, CEO of Cheap Insurance. Hello. And Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitch. Hello. And today we are very pleased to be joined uh, by Greg Belton, who is the executive chairman of Hub Ontario. Greg, how are you today? Great. Thank you. Awesome. So we do have our our, our shtick we want to go through, but Greg, uh, we'd also like to hear a bit about you. Can you give us uh, a short, uh, short or long bio on yourself? How did you come to be the exec chairman of Hub Ontario? Thank you, uh, Tom. Well, in 1981, I graduated from university and uh, went into the insurance business. My first job was at Crawford & Company in Atlanta, Georgia, and then I went to Fireman's Fund Insurance Company in Toronto, which later became Wellington Insurance. And while I was there, I was um, in the last part of my time at Wellington, I was a territory director and I was out dealing with brokers. Um, and I thought that's a, I think I'm, I find that very appealing, the life of a broker. And so uh, to make a long story short, when I was 29, um, I left with uh, John Hawkrig, who worked with me at the time. And uh, we bought a firm called Munson Beattie, which had been founded in 1889. And later um, merged that with Guthrie Kilty Bickerstaff and later acquired Hunter Rowell and um, the Vancouver and Toronto offices of Morris McKenzie. And we became, through that process, over 20 years, we became HKMB. And I think at the time that we sold the hub in 2008, uh, we were the largest independent broker in Canada. Um, and... Uh, really operating out of one office plus a, plus an office in Vancouver, but mostly in downtown Toronto. We were 95% commercial PNC and 4% uh, uh, high net worth personal lines. And then the remaining 1% was a little bit of employee benefits and a few other miscellaneous things. So we sold a hub in uh, January 2008 and, uh, became very integral to the operations and management of uh, Hub Ontario. And uh, we've never really looked back. It's been a fantastic ride. So that's my background. Um, the only other thing I would say is um, I, I spend and have spent um, for the last 30 years in parallel with my insurance career. I've spent a lot of time uh, doing public service and um, charity work, both here in Canada and around the world, which has been a very important part of my life. And it's, it's something that has fit sort of hand in glove with my insurance career. And I think it's been beneficial for our business. And it's certainly, um, it's great that our business has allowed me the luxury of doing that. And I know there are many people in our industry that give huge amounts of their time back to um, their communities. So I thought it was important to mention that. And I see you have uh, a number of plaques and what appear to be medals over your shoulder there. Can you uh, elaborate on what those are for us? Yes. Um, I have a um, commander of the Royal Victorian Order from Queen Elizabeth, which I was awarded in 2009. 
I also was awarded the Queen's Golden and Diamond Jubilee Medals. Um, in 2016, I received the Order of Canada. And in 2019, I received an honorary doctorate, as I previously mentioned. So those are the medals from those honors that I received. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're probably the most awarded guest we've ever had on the show. So uh, <laughs> thank you. On behalf of the guys and the rest of Canada, that's obviously fantastic, and it's thank you really cool to see that coming from a member of our industry. So um, yeah, that's great. Okay, so let's get into the actual episode here. Steve, do you want to take us away? Let's do that. So. Greg, um, Hub, give us the background on that organization, where it came from, and maybe just touch a little bit on where it's going to go. I know we'll get to where it's going to go a bit more further down the road, but give us the background on the organization as a whole. Yes. Well, thank you, Steve, for that question. Um, Hub was started in 1998 with the merger of 11 Canadian brokerages. Um, Rick Gulliver was the founding CEO of the company and um, is still involved to this day, I might add. And uh, since then, since 1998, with that merger of 11 Canadian firms, uh, here we are 24 years later, we now have over 14,000 employees, um, over 530 offices, and over $3 billion uh, in commission revenues. That's U.S. dollars. And of that, a third of the employees, so roughly just under 5,000 employees are in Canada, um, over 200 offices in Canada, and uh, close to a billion dollars Canadian in commission revenue. So it's been an unbelievable success story. And um, it's really, I think, the magic of Hub, and uh, we're living proof of this because we were acquired by Hub, as I mentioned uh, uh, 14 years ago, is just that every time we do an acquisition, we're attracting new leadership, new talent, new specialty uh, industry knowledge, new ideas. And um, and we've been able to maintain the entrepreneurial spirit. That So we try to ensure that when we acquire firms, we let them continue to do what they're good at. We take away some of the things they don't want to deal with, like perhaps IT and uh, recruiting and accounts receivable and accounts payable and certain other functions, administrative uh, functions that most brokers don't necessarily enjoy. So we try and take away what they don't want and make them better at what they do like. So we obviously we have, because of our size, we have um, the ability to provide local service across North America. Uh, we have a captive division, we have loss control, we have claims. Uh, we have huge volumes with insurance companies. We have access to every insurance company uh, that you could possibly want to deal with. And we have lots of resources that um, come with being a large company, but we still allow people a large degree of local autonomy. And we do have, Hub is really a combination of 29 hubs, five of which are in Canada. And each hub has its own local management and local leadership. Um, so each of the 29 hubs has a very look, different look and feel to it. So we think it's sort of the best, best of both worlds. It certainly has been for us. Um, we grew our business to um, a point where we just thought we couldn't continue that type of growth, 15% organic growth annually. 
and we needed to partner with somebody who had more resources than we did. And um, so we joined Hub in 2008, and we've just continued to grow strength on strength ever since then. So it's been a great, um, great fit for us. Greg, a lot of stuff to unpack there. And I was going to ask, why should a broker sell to you? What's your elevator pitch? But you kind of over, you know, listed a couple, a number of the things there with the entrepreneurial spirit, the loss control, the claims, uh, captives, market access. Uh, do you have anything else to add, you know, besides, you know, the broker obviously is looking for money, but what other, other than the things you've mentioned, you know, what, what is kind of your pitch to brokers to why you should join it? Well, I, I remember again, as I mentioned earlier, um, having been an entrepreneur myself, I think when you're an entrepreneur, you're always looking forward to something in the future. You're not looking in the rearview mirror and thinking, oh, I'm proud of what I did yesterday. You're always looking forward to something good happening in the future and making something good happen in the future. So when you think about selling your business, one of the fears I think a lot of brokerage owners would have is that I have nothing to look forward to anymore. I'm now selling my business and um, working for somebody else. So for me, um, in part of our decision-making process was that we wanted to sell to someone who gave us something to look forward to. And because of the private equity nature of our ownership, so our company is owned roughly a third by employees and, a third, and two-thirds by private equity, but there were always liquidity events happening every three or four years. So while you sell your business and, and realize... Um, your lifetime's work, it's not over because everyone who sells to Hub takes some of their proceeds in Hub equity. And, um, and that equity has performed spectacularly over, um, over the course of our company's history, far outperforming anything you could do in the stock market, for example. And so it, always, it's, it means that there's always something else to look forward to and financially. And money's not all of it, of course. So we try and balance that with um, a high degree of local autonomy and just allowing people not changing their world too much after they sell. So allow them to keep doing what they're really good at, take some of the things away they don't want to do, and, uh, and then give them tools and resources which can only make them better at what they're doing. And, and when I say tools and resources, it's industry knowledge, it's claims, loss control, but it's also digital tools and digital enablement and, and technology and all kinds of other things that um, uh, you can avail yourself of after joining Hub. Hub holds one of the few positions on this interview uh, of different panelists that that is buying in in multiple countries a number of the people are just buying in Canada there's a few that are buying in in Canada and the states but what's what's hub at, hubs target broker and and size and geography or makeup yeah thank you for that question Adam the uh, we, we only we are only in Canada and the US um, uh, it's hard to be partly global and it's very expensive to be completely global. So some of the larger multinational brokers, of course, have to follow their clients wherever they operate in the world, and they have to have a global footprint, but that's very expensive. And, um, and it's very difficult that that has to happen over a long period of time. So we, um, we stick to our knitting in Canada and the US. And in terms of our appetite for acquisitions, we're looking for um, firms that bring talent and leadership so if somebody wants to sell their firm and retire, we, we're not interested. 
that that is not of interest to Hub. We want to add people to our team. We want to add talent to our team. And we're also looking for, for firms that have something unique. They're either, you know, a few years ago, we wanted to expand our presence in the employee benefit and retirement space. So um, we embarked on it, which I was very involved with, embarked on a strategy to um, increase our presence in that marketplace. So we were looking for people in across Canada that matched our PNC footprint and that opened up new opportunities for us, part of which is to cross sell. So we have all these, we have hundreds of thousands of commercial clients and uh, we now can sell them employee benefits and retirement and PNC. Um, so some of it's to do with moving into new sectors like retirement and benefits. And um, other than that, we're looking for people who have specialty expertise in something. Maybe it's they're very good at digital um, insurance, you know, delivering insurance digitally. Maybe they're specialists in real estate insurance or construction or healthcare. And we have many pra industry practice groups where we try to be among the leaders in Canada in terms of knowledge in those sectors. So we're looking for people who either operate in those sectors or maybe in a sector that we don't operate in that we, we can add a new specialty practice. And the other thing we're looking for is people who have had a track record of organic growth. So we can help somebody's business to grow after, they've, after we acquire them, but we would prefer that we're purchasing a firm that has a track record of organic growth that we can only accelerate uh, being part of Hub. So those are the things we're looking for, leadership, talent, um, history of organic growth, some kind of specialty or something that makes them a little bit different. And, uh, and of course, culture and fit, just people's reputation and their cultural fit is very important for us. And that's hard to describe. It's something you have to experience. Uh, Greg, you actually touched a little bit on digital as a specialty or some uniqueness that sets a potential acquisition apart. Do you do you see that that is more valuable to you then? Like would the, with a broker, you know, two similar brokers, one with a effective digital strategy slash digital implementation, would they get a valuation boost because of that over somebody who looks the same as them, but doesn't have that? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. And there's not, not really a straightforward answer because we, we've actually um, looked at some digital businesses, both commercial and personal lines that had that built a beautiful mousetrap that addressed some niche in the in the market that they thought maybe was underserved but they had no customers so great mousetrap no customers and um and there's others that do have you know developed products which are serving a need that have grown tremendously so while we're always interested in innovation and we have purchased some businesses both here and in canada that have a digital um platform. Typically, it's very specialized. So we bought one, for example, in California that was serving uh, uh, Medicare seniors uh, that are on Medicare. So very um, focused and, and sort of industry leading in that sector. Um, but like any business we buy, we're looking for the same things. Could be a digital business. Does it have strong leadership and good people? Is it making money? Does it have a, a track record of revenue growth? So we still look for the same factors, whether it's digital or traditional. Yeah, I I, I had a question, but uh, Greg had already mentioned it in the sense of my question was, you know, what 
do you want the principal to stay around? And I believe you had said that you, you're you're really not interested in acquiring brokerages where you're handed the keys and somebody heads off to Florida. But I guess I can evolve my question into one where would you be interested in a situation like that where there's there's a pool of talent in that in in that organization. So perhaps the owner wants to leave, but you're acquiring talent within the in the brokerage. Absolutely. In fact, I, I should have qualified that answer earlier because sometimes, you know, I'd say maybe a third of the cases that we look at, there already is a built-in perpetuation plan and the wheels have been set in motion and we're, we just need to develop comfort with, we might be dealing with the principal shareholder on the sale of the business, but parallel to that, we're dealing with the team who's going to be leading that business into the future. And that's no problem for us. I mean, um, it's natural, obviously, for the owner. We like the owner to stay around for a little period, transition period, just for continuity and and uh, with the, with their clients and and their staff. Um, but that period of time can be one year, could be three years. But we like them to stay around. For, we don't like them just run for the exit as soon as the the deal closes. Hey, Greg, uh, I'm going to jump in here. Do you, uh, when you buy and acquire a brokerage, do you keep the name or do you like to melt it into one brand? Yes. Um, there's some really specialized firms uh, that um, it makes sense for them to retain their name because it has such brand recognition. And it might say, um, for example, we acquired a, a firm that operates in the sort of in the pension space, but they manage, they do um, governance and investment consulting for pools of capital, which could be a pension fund, could be a, an endowment fund or whatever. Their name is Proteus. Uh, and they are referred to as Proteus, a hub international company, because they have such a strong brand in that sector. Most, most of the businesses that we acquire, including ours, HKMB, we were known as HKMB hub for a while. And, uh, and then Hub HKMB, because we had a strong brand also. And then we've just adopted the Hub name because it comes with a lot of brand recognition and, um, and a lot of benefits. So most people think that it's better to adopt the, um, the Hub name in the fullness of time. But we don't have a specific time, six months or one year or three years. We, whatever makes sense. Um, and we, we usually agree with the seller on what that should be. Some people want day one, want, want to just be renamed hub. Um, most others, there's a bit of a transition period. Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS aka Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. But like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool because it is and it's hip at nationwide brokerage solutions they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market that's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers no matter how unique they may be with a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. 
Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with nationwide brokerage solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cash certified. What about the employees? What's what's in it for the other teammates of the new organization? Um, what's your word to them? Yeah, well, um, of course, in a bigger company, in theory, there should be more opportunity for it, more upward mobility opportunity. And we've had people, I know right after we acquired, we were acquired by Hub, one of our employees came forward and said, I noticed that Hub has an office in Nashville, and I'm a real country and Western fan. Is there any way I could get transferred to Nashville? And they did, and they're still there. And so that's an odd, sort of an odd example, but we have many people who have moved around who want to move to Vancouver or people from Vancouver wanting to move to Toronto. So there's opportunities like that. And then because we're into so many different areas, um, people might work in, in, in a smaller firm, might feel that they're sort of limited in where they can go in terms of um, mobility, wanting to learn a new part of the business or work in a different department. And we have so many um, specialty areas in commercial insurance, um, as well as even in personal insurance, we have group home and auto, regular home and auto and high net worth home and auto. So there's opportunities to move around in that uh, part of our business. And, um, and then others want to just try something else. Some people want to move from, um, uh, for example, me, I was an insurance broker and I was president and CEO of HKMB for a long time. And now I'm doing mergers and acquisitions. Um, so it's provided an opportunity for me to spread my wings and, and I'm just one of many examples. So there's lots of opportunity uh, for people who are ambitious and, um, and want to um, really explore what they're capable of doing. There's lots of opportunities within Hub and we encourage that. So as the lone former carrier person outside of yourself, Greg, on this on this panel, um, I need to ask what's in it for the carriers. Are there winners and losers when you acquire you know, a broker that has a significant portfolio with carrier X? Do they get worried or and how, do you, how do you handle those situations? Yeah, I don't think there's any reason for a carrier to be worried because we deal with, as long as they have strong ratings, we deal with all the major carriers. Uh, and we also, of course, have um, significant access to London markets and uh, US markets. So uh, there's no reason for carriers to fear anything, I don't believe. In fact, I think there's, they might look at it and say, well, um, here's an opportunity for us to have significant volume through a single source rather than through multiple sources. So it might be a little more cost efficient sometimes for them to deal with um, broker the size of us, the size of hub. Um, but yeah, no, nothing to fear for the carriers. And uh, I think there's significant upside for them, in fact. How do you come at the valuations? Is it is it multiple of uh, commissions? Uh, do you focus on EBITDA? Like what, what really your, your secret sauce to come up with the amount of the check? Um, what's that look like? Yeah, we're, we're pretty disciplined. We've Hub has actually done over 700 acquisitions in 24 years, some small, some large. And so we've become pretty good at it. And, uh, and 
by the way, I think out of those 700, I think we've only undone one, made one acquisition, which we thought, hmm, that maybe wasn't so good. That was early on. Um, so we generally, um, and I know some people, um, uh, some others are talking about multiple insurance companies who are acquiring distribution or sometimes paying a multiple of commission revenues. Um, that's sort of irrelevant to us. What's relevant to us is earnings. So we figure out, we sit down with the seller and we look at their financials, their balance sheet and so on. And we say, what would this look like in our world? So we'll take over certain of your administrative and some of the finance functions and IT and so on. Um, so we strip some costs out, we add a few things in and we figure out what a pro forma financial would look like. And we pay a multi, and so typically it's better than their existing um, financials. And we pay a multiple of that. So we say, this is what it'll look like in our world going forward. And we're going to pay you a multiple of that number, that pro forma EBITDA number. So that, that actually is really important point. Um, and I'm going off script a little bit here in that um, we're, we always came from the school of everybody talked multiple of commissions. What did they get? What did they get? Oh, that went for three times, two and a half times, four and a half times, what have you. So what you're telling me is that when Hub comes at, at it, perhaps my EBITDA, including or excluding CPC, we, we don't have to deal with that right now. I'll just pull out a number is, is, is 25%. You would look at that 25% and say, given the scale and everything we can add to that, that that's 35% to us. And you're going right. to and, and, and that's the check you're going to get. It's yeah. not, you suck, Steve. So we're not going to give you so much because your EBIT is low. So we're going to deflate it. You're, you're going to bring it up to what, what you could do with it and be fair. Is that? That's right. Because, you know, truthfully, we look at businesses that um, maybe it's a family business and there's family on the payroll, but they don't really work there or they work there part time. So, you know, things like that. And there's other expenses that sometimes people might put through the business that uh, wouldn't um, we wouldn't in our world that wouldn't be hap wouldn't happen. So we can strip out some of those expenses and um, and then. With scale, of course, we op we can operate very profitably in certain areas. So we we the seller gets the benefit of that with us. Um, and I I think you know so much of the M and A activity in Canada and the U S right now is fueled by um, private equity backed acquirers, and part of the secret sauce of private equity is. Um, is the cost of capital and the cost borrowing. And that cost is going up, we all know that. And at some point, the math would dictate that multiples are probably going to go down. Um, they, they certainly it'd be difficult, even with intense competition uh, for every acquisition, which there pretty well is on pretty, most deals now, there's multiple buyers there kicking the tires and um, yeah, so I, I think the feeding frenzy, this is just my opinion, but I think the feeding frenzy is getting close to the end. Um, I don't think there'll be a 
any kind of um, diminished interest in acquiring businesses. But I think the multiples are probably going to um, moderate to some extent. I'm going to jump in about uh, what can brokers do to make their business worth more? I think you've explained that, hey, look at it. We normalize the EBITDA. We look at what we can do when we're on there. So once they're at the selling point, before they get to you, is it all about getting that EBITDA in line, You know, trying to max out CPCs? Or is it getting that growth number up to a, a really high level? Yeah, I think the big thing for us is, um, well, people sometimes will seek outside advice from their an accountant or a banker or somebody to say, I, I want to get my firm sale ready. What should I do? And um, part of it is to strip out some of those non-recurring expenses that wouldn't, wouldn't exist in our world that some private businesses have. And uh, the other thing is to, is to focus on growth. It's really important um, for us, and I'm assuming for other buyers, to see that a firm has a track record of organic growth, that they're a growth-oriented firm. Some firms, as you know, are lifestyle businesses, and people are quite happy to um, uh, just not work as hard and have a highly profitable firm with no growth. But those aren't very attractive to buy. Greg, we normally say earmuffs to Steve before we talk about it. But, you know, you don't, there's a term which I love, and it's melting ice cube. You don't want to buy a melting ice cube because you're paying somebody, you know, eight or nine years or whatever of future earnings. Well, what if those future earnings are diminishing year over year because they don't have a growth culture or they don't have, um, you know, sales staff or whatever, for whatever reason? Why would anyone want to buy, pay future earnings? To buy a melting ice cube. So where where does that compare for you with with commercial lines brokers versus personal lines brokers? Yeah, I mean, as we all know, there's there are challenges in the personal lines market. There's intense competition from direct writers, banks, um, you know, new digital entrants. The traditional broker model is incredible competition for that business, um, and so. Uh, well, we're very, we have a very significant book of business and personal lines in Canada, group home and auto, uh, high net worth personal lines, and the rest of the personal lines. Um, so it's an area, it's a market we know very well, and we're interested in continuing to be a player in. Um, but it's just almost the same attributes we're looking for in any deal. Do they have leadership? Do they have a sale, strong sales culture? Um, what is their, do they have a quality book of business, um, you know, decent loss ratios and so on. We're looking for the same thing. So if it's personal lines and it's highly profitable and it's growing, then we'll pay the same multiple we would for specialty commercial. So <clears throat> there are brokers out there who, for one reason or another, have agreed typically with an insurance company to have a right of first refusal to said company, sometimes on the business, sometimes on a book, what have you. When you come across those scenarios, somebody comes to you and says, I want to sell you my brokerage, but I have a rofer with, you know, XYZ carrier. Does that put a, you know, a speed bump in the process? Does that make that brokerage less valuable to you? How, how do you handle that situation? Yeah, it doesn't make it less valuable to us. It just makes it less likely that they would sell to us because uh, our experience has been with these rofers that um, 
the rofers that insurance companies have that they generally trigger them on in almost every case. And we don't want to be used as a stalking horse for somebody just to try and get the, the price up with the insurance company by presenting a, you know, buyout offer made. So you want to bid against something you're not going to, uh, you're not going to win that. Yeah. So we, we dig pretty deep on that. If they have a rofer, we always ask if they do. Um, some of them are, um, something they might have signed years ago, the insurance company that they signed it with is no longer in the broker acquisition market. So those ones aren't a concern to us and and we can proceed with them. There are others are very other insurance companies who are very aggressive with um, enforcing their rofers and uh, and we know not to waste our time in those ones. What's Hub's end game? Like what world domination? You 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 said North American concentration uh, your 3 billion, uh, in North America, I think I heard you say yes. in commission income, you want to be five, like talk about where you're going. Yeah, I think, um, uh, we've been a, an incredible growth machine. I think 15% or growth year over year for the last 15 years. That's a combination of organic and growth through acquisition. And, um, we just want to continue that, um, it's worked really well for us. We don't think um, that there's any reason to deviate from that. But I think what we will what we what will change is that um, there are certain sectors in the economy that are growing. There are certain sectors in the North American economy that are not growing, and we want to be players in those growing markets. So healthcare is a per- perfect example. Healthcare, which has many aspects to it, has long-term care, has other. Um, that's a growth area, as we all know. So that's a market we want to be big in. So we, we'll just continue um, and we will acquire firms that are specialists in healthcare, and we'll continue to build our knowledge in that sector and many other sectors. That's just one example. So we see lots of opportunity, continue to acquire, continue to grow organically, continue to find interesting specialty areas to operate in. And the whole opportunity in digital is is one of those um so uh how can we deliver our product in the face of intense competition particularly in personal lines from so many different uh entrants in that business i think before when i i'm older than you guys but way back then there was the broker distribution model and there were direct writers like state farm and allstate and then the canadian banks got involved in it and that sort of shape shook the market up. And then, um, you know, digital players got in and then all kinds of other people got in, direct-to-consumer players. And now there's so much competition in that area um, that didn't exist 30 or 40 years ago. So you either have to adapt to that and, and compete in that market or get out of it. And um, so I think we'll just continue to look for opportunities and... Uh, and we just love adding talent and new people. And of course, as some of us who've been around for a long time move on, we need to bring other people along um, to to replace us. And almost everybody who is uh, in a senior position at Hub is like us. They came from one of the acquisitions. Um, so I can't. I can think of only a few exceptions of people who are running anything significant at hub who didn't come from an acquisition that hub made 
Um, so it, it's a very entrepreneurial culture because of that. We sort of understand the way a seller thinks because we were sellers ourselves. And we know all the financial and emotional considerations that a, a seller goes through when they're considering. Um, but we just love that entrepreneurial culture and just keep growing and looking for new opportunities and, and um, you know, nothing magic, just keep executing uh, the way we have been and, and finding new opportunities for growth. I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, IFS Premium Finance, Crew Group, uh, Garrison's Brewery, and of course, our charity partner, Wick. And Greg, we have a few minutes left. I'm going to give you the opportunity to close us out here if you want to speak directly to our audience. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, uh, Steve and Jeff and Adam for your excellent questions. Um, I hope I answered them all uh, adequately. Um, the, I think the most telling aspect of our story is, um, and when I say our story, I mean hub, is that, and this is not always the case, I must say with um, some others with all due respect. If you look at um, people who sold to hub over the last 20 years, there are a lot of people, sellers who are still here. And I'm one of them. I've been here for 14 years ago. We sold our firm for a lot of money, made a lot of money since then with our hub stock, and we're still here. So it, it has created for me an opportunity, as I mentioned earlier, to look for, always have something to look forward to, but also to expand my horizons and um, change the, my daily responsibilities and continue to challenge myself. So that's been a really important part of um, me being at Hub. And when I look back, uh, it's been 35 years last, as of last month since I acquired an insurance brokerage uh, at the age of 29. So you can figure out that I'm 64 now. And, um, and there have been many highlights. It's a phenomenal industry, as you people all know. Um, and it's provided so many opportunities for all of us. And to me, when I look back at some of the highlights of my career, which is not over, by the way, um, one of the best decisions we ever made was to sell to Hub because for all the reasons I just stated, so to me, that, that says the most I could possibly say about, um, uh, about Hub as an acquirer. Most people who say to sell to Hub are still around many years later. You see with some other acquirers, um, in not just in our industry, but in other industries, people complete their earnout and they're, they're out the door looking for something new. And that's not the case at Hub. So, um, and the, so the proof's in the pudding, and I think it's been a, a phenomenal success story, and I'm so proud to be part of it. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. 
Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast Certified.